cleansing and forgiveness. We needed resurrection power. We needed a new life. Because Christ died, he was placed in the grave, he rose again. And because he has risen, our faith is not in vain tonight. We have experienced the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad you've experienced the power of the blood and the power of the Holy Ghost? He's alive and he's alive in our hearts through the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. Let's give the Lord the praise from our hearts right now. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Ham, for accepting the invitation. I love you, respect you, and appreciate you very, very much. I have not got the privilege to have known Brother Ham as long as most of the other younger pastors in this area. We met, you know, when we were a little older. We're still young, but we were just a little bit, you know, younger back then. But several, several years ago, I was able to get to know Brother Ham. And what a blessing it has been to be able to call him my friend. And uh, last year... Uh, shortly after our youth rally, I felt led of the Lord to have Brother Ham come and preach in this youth rally tonight. And so I have been looking forward to this night for a long time. I'm confident that the Lord is going to use you tonight. And we want you to just enjoy the liberty. You don't have to take it. Enjoy it and let the Lord use you. Everybody say, God bless the preaching of the word. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Lord. Amen. And you may be seated. It's good to see all of you here tonight. Wonderful group of young people and uh, a few of us older people. <laughs> but I'm glad to be here. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm glad the Lord called me out of darkness into this marvelous light. Amen. Praise the Lord. I've never known any other life. So good. And I've never wanted to go out and see what the world had. Amen. Amen. I made up my mind a long time ago. With the help of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to serve the Lord. Amen. It's because of rallies and camps and conferences, because of a good pastor and a good home church, that I'm standing here tonight. Amen. It's because of the blood that Jesus shed to forgive Amen. me of my sins. Amen. The power of the Holy Ghost helps me live above sin and free from the power of sin. So right. The Bible said in 1 Timothy, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly in the latter times. Some shall depart from the faith, All right. giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. I'm glad it didn't say all would depart from the faith. It did say some, but not all. At the end of the chapter, Paul said to Timothy, Take heed to thyself and to the doctrine. For in so doing thou shalt save thyself. Amen. If we're going to be saved in this end time hour, not only do we need a Holy Ghost experience... But we need an understanding of the doctrine, Amen. the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Long after the shout has worn off, doctrine will carry you through. Amen. 
Praise the Lord. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. Praise the Lord. I'm glad he filled me with the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Brother Townley and the Apostolic Church here in Jennings for sponsoring this meeting tonight. I'm honored to be in this place and to be speaking to this group tonight. And uh, I salute all of the ministry that is here and all of the young folks that are serving the Lord in 2017. It's my privilege to be here to speak to you tonight. Praise the Lord. If you would stand with me and open your Bibles to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 12. So good to see all of the other ministering brethren who are here tonight. And among them, I see one of my lifelong friends, Brother Tim James, is over here. And what could I say about Sister James? She's been like a mother to me. (laughs) What great people. I love Brother and Sister James. And I'm glad for their godly influence in my life. Amen. John chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Would you pray with me now for the help of the Holy Ghost in the remainder of this service? God, we love you. We appreciate you. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the songs, every exhortation, the offering received. I ask you to bless now the reading and preaching of your word tonight. Anoint these lips of clay. Touch my mind and my heart and my spirit. Touch the ears of the hearers and the hearts of the hearers tonight. Let us hear tonight, but let us go forth and be doers of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. Years ago, back in the last century, a few decades ago when I was a teenager... We did not communicate by cell phones because we had no cell phones. And uh, we wrote letters. And uh, we sent letters to people that we were interested in communicating with. And very often, when you wrote the letter and signed your name and had said everything you wanted to say, you would think of one more little thing. And so you'd write a little postscript down at the bottom bottom of the page, and you'd say, P.S., I can't wait to see you. (laughs) Sometimes we get in certain environments, and the preaching is kind of like a postscript. It's like, well, we've done everything else. Oh, we've got to have some preaching. But I trust that you will not... Treat the preaching like a postscript to this youth rally. Amen. Amen. Somebody asked you in days and weeks to come, well, how was the rally? Well, the singing was excellent. The music was right on key and in time. Man, the barbecue was good. 
We had so much fun at the gym. I got 12 new numbers for my, my, my contacts. Really? Anything else? Well, we had comfortable chairs and the air was on. And Brother Townley's such a nice guy. And the people in Jennings always treat you so nicely. Really? And that was youth rally. Did you meet any new people? Oh, yeah, I met several new people. Oh, yeah, by the way, some old guy preached. And uh, a postscript. They're just... But uh, we're saved by preaching. Praise the Lord. We're saved by preaching. And if you make it to heaven, it's going to be because somebody preached to you. Praise the Lord. I appreciate the singing, but you're not going to be sung to heaven. Praise the Lord. You're going to be preached to heaven. Praise the Lord. And uh, in preparing for this rally tonight and in thinking about... God, what would you have me to say? My mind went back to some of my earlier years of serving the Lord, remembering some of the struggles and trials that I came through in living for the Lord. Thank the Lord I was born to apostolic parents, and they took me to church from a child. I guess the first place I went when I left home was to church, and we've been there many times since. And I thank God for that, but I remember... Even with all of the privilege of growing up in the church, in a godly home, in a great church family, and a good pastor, I remember those, those days of struggle and those times of difficulty. Right. And I thought, God, if you would let me say a little something to help a young person tonight to live for you better. Amen. I would like to help someone who has considered walking out of the church and never coming back again. I would like to reach for someone tonight who the enemy has beat you down and condemned you over mistakes that you have made. I want to tell you that we have an adversary, and the Bible calls him the accuser of our brethren. The Bible says about him, he accused them before our God day and night. I want to give you just a little modern day word for accuser. And that's tattletale. And I'm going to talk to you about how to overcome the tattletale tonight. Have you ever known a tattletale? I guess every group's got one. Seems like every church has one. Every youth group's got one. I guess every family's got one. And uh, I remember back in school days, if... uh, if you was going to go out past the end of the playground, there's certain kids you didn't want to take with you. Because they're going to run back and tell the teacher. Teacher, teacher, there's kids out beyond the playground. And uh, I've, I've got more than one whipping because of a tattletale. I had a cousin who was especially good at it. And uh, sometimes he didn't run in the house. He would say just real loudly out in the yard, You better stop. I'm going to tell my mama. And here come mama running. And then you say, Well, you little... T- oh, I didn't tell on you. Yeah, you, t- you told on me by your loud, whiny voice. We, were, we carpooled back then. And uh, whoever was the oldest among the cousins got to drive. I finally made it. 
But my brother was driving. There were about six of us in an old Fairlane Ford. I was sitting in the front. I moved from the back seat up to the front seat finally. My little tattletale cousin had a rubber band. He kept popping me in the back of the head with it. I turned around. I said, if you hit me in the back of the head one more time, you're going to regret it. Boy, he laughed real big and popped me in the back of the head. When we got to the house to let him out, as soon as he come out the door, I met him. I cuffed him upside the head a couple times. I said, now don't hit me in the head with that rubber band anymore. Straight home and crying to his mama, who told his daddy, who told my daddy, who didn't ask any questions. <laughs> he just came and gave me a, a, a tearing up, Mississippi terms, because of a, a tattletale. You know, it's something to go out and do something wrong and be have somebody tell on you, but it's something else for somebody to taunt you and tempt you and get you to do something that you shouldn't do so they can tell on you. Some people love to watch other kids get in trouble. Oh, yeah, they do. And we've had them, and so have you. I remember back in church school... We had a, a certain teacher named Sister Rose. And if you, if you crossed Sister Rose, she would take you by the fingers and bend them back, and she had a little ruler. She'd pop you right in the palm of your hand. I guess that'd be child abuse today. Yeah. Probably was then. It felt like it. <laughs> but uh, in those days, you just had people that would would taunt you, and then they would run tell on you. They loved to see you get in trouble. Sister Rose had a little little sign she would make you wear. It would say, I am a tattletale. You wear one on the front of your shirt and one on the back. You had to wear that all day. Now, she didn't want you letting bad things happen that were not reported But she was after that attitude that said, I'm going to tell on you so you can get a whipping. I'm going to tell on you so the teacher can punish you. I'm going to tell what you've been doing so you can miss recess. Uh And we had those tattletales and nobody liked them. And the devil is the original tattletale. Uh He's the the original accuser. Right. The Bible said he accuses us before our God day and night. And there's another term I would like to introduce you to. It's called entrapment. Now, in legal terms, which I'm not a lawyer, you could tell that by the way I talk. In legal terms, entrapment means to lure someone into a compromising act so they can be punished for it. And the best way I know how to describe that is to tell you about a little mechanical stuffed animal called Bucky. Now, Bucky looks like a beautiful ten-point deer. Bucky can wiggle his ears and wag his tail. Bucky can turn his head this way and that. Bucky looks really good, especially in a spotlight. Yeah, right. Yeah, some of y'all are getting with me now. And, uh, you know, you got 
Bubba and Junior, pardon me if that's your name, but I come from Mississippi, I said. And Bubba and Junior riding down the road, and uh, one of them looks over and says, Hey, Bubba, I just saw supper on the side of the road. Yeah. Wheel the truck around. Shine the light just right. Bucky's turning his head this way and that. Shake his ears and wag his tail. All of a sudden, everything's ready, and they fire the shot. Bucky looks this way and that. This gun is off. I dropped my scope. Let me try again. Bam! Bucky looks this way and that. And all of a sudden, a little tap on the side of the truck. Come on, boys. We got you. You're hunting from the road. But, Mr. Game Warden, you knew we couldn't resist Bucky. These old boys in round Natchez, Mississippi, shot at Bucky till they run out of bullets and they're a little bit drunk, so they left the road in their four-wheel drive truck and ran over Bucky. And they got charged not only with illegal hunting, but trespassing and destruction of state property. Isn't it amazing that these game wardens, knowing the weakness and the tendency of Southerners and rednecks often go hungry if they don't kill something. They know the weakness and the tendency of men to carry guns in their trucks and spotlights and so forth and so on. And so they set themselves up where they know a hunter is going to be passing. And they just can't wait. You might say, well, Brother Ham, you sound like you know a lot about it. Believe it or not, I do. I saw Bucky. Bucky is beautiful. Bucky would look good in your office. Bucky would look good in your den. But he looks kind of funny about 80 yards out in a pipeline. I didn't go to jail, but I did get a ticket. Because I stopped and looked at Bucky. And I had a bullet in the gun. But I didn't use it. I wanted to on that clown in the bushes with that video camera. <laughs> Not only was one game warden there in the middle of Homochitta National Forest. Can you believe it? Riding up and down those gravel roads just trying to clear my mind of all life's troubles. <laughs> Looked out the pipeline and right in the... In the middle of the day, it's so stupid to think that a full-grown buck would stand there in the middle of the day. And I looked at him. I really did. And he turned his head this way and that. And when I went to take off, he wagged his tail. And I stopped again, and I said, Ah, that can't be real. And then he wiggled his ear at me. And I put the gun down, and I... Ease my truck in gear, and there's that tap on the back of the truck. And I looked over, and there's a game warden. And then I look in the bushes, and there's another one. I thought, man, these guys are serious. <laughs> and what they want to do is haul you into court, get you before the judge, and say, Your Honor, Mr. Samuel Ham." was hunting illegally from 107B 
in the Homochitta Forest. They want to take your hunting privileges. They'll take your truck and your guns. Why? They set a trap, and when you stick your foot in it, then they haul you to court. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's kind of a mean trick they're up to. But I want you to know somebody much meaner than that. And that's the devil. He's been at it a long, long time. He watches you. He trails you. He tracks you. He studies you. That's right. He knows where... Oh, yeah. He does. He knows that little side road you take to work. That's not on your way. Amen. Good. There's a cashier over there you like to visit with. Uh You never left her a church car, but you've been by to see her. (laughs) He follows you, young ladies, when you walk to the clothing department. He watches you as you pick up those magazines your mother won't let you buy, but you'll study all the latest fashions. He's, he studies young people. He learns, your, he learns your habits. And then he goes ahead of you and he lays a snare before you. And the moment you stick your foot in it, then he runs to God. And he begins to tattle on you and he begins to accuse you. He begins to tell God all of the bad things that you've done. Not only does he tell God, he comes and tells you how sorry you are. He tells you how, how worthless you are, how stupid that was to do that. And he takes advantage of your naivety and he takes advantage of your innocence and your youth. And he, he'll get you to do something that you know is wrong, but he'll, he'll set that trap for you just right. And then when your foot's in it, then he's there to hammer you and hound you with, with condemnation. And too many times young people make that mistake that they feel like is the fatal mistake. And they give up on serving the Lord. Too many times young people go, go astray and get afoul of what the pastor's teaching and what the church stands for and what you know to be right. And, and you know it's wrong and you know better than to do it, but something draws you into that. And the moment you realize, I've crossed the point. I've passed that place. I'm now disobedient. I've now committed a sin. The devil is there to push you away from God and push you away from the church and push you away from your parents and push you away from your pastor. Push you away from the people that love you and the people that could help you. I'm telling you, it's a trick of the devil to drive you away from God and away from church. Praise the Lord. You you need not think that the devil just started this when you were born into the world. All right. He started it when I he was doing it when I was a teenager. He was doing it when my parents were teenagers. As a matter of fact, he went all the way back to the Garden of Eden and you find him there entrapping people and and tempting people. And then when he causes them to commit that sin or that mistake, then he, he tries to push them away and make them hide from God. 
It's just a human tendency. When you've done something wrong, to hide from the hand that you know will correct you. It's a human tendency to run and hide in shame. Because you don't want to deal with the consequences of the actions that you have taken. And so let us go back to the Garden of Eden and see there Eve as day by day she passed by that tree. And her husband had told her, now God told me not to eat of it, so let's agree together that we just won't touch it. All right? And God didn't say don't touch it. He said don't eat it. But somehow she kept going by until one day she looked and there among the leaves was a serpent. And the serpent began to talk to her. And the serpent began to very skillfully lay a trap for her by telling her what God said would happen will not surely happen. And, and Satan will defeat the counsel of your pastor. And he will defeat the counsel of your parents and your youth leader. He will defeat the counsel of your Sunday school teacher and other elders in your life by telling you, Oh, what they're saying wouldn't really happen. God wouldn't do that to you. And slowly but surely he begins to break down your resistance uh, until he one day, not only was she looking at that fruit, I believe she probably reached out and run her hand over it and then she picked a, a piece of it, maybe held it in her hand a day or two, I don't know. At some point, all I know is this, she took a bite of it and Adam took a bite of it and their conscience began to smite them and they were condemned that day and they ran and hid and made coverings of fig leaves which were not nearly about sufficient to cover the action that they had just done. And sin was committed and sin nature began to thrive in man and woman. Uh I want you to see if I could just uh, help you imagine something in your mind. I want you to see as Satan, he heard when God said, when you eat of this, you're going to die. And Satan knew the rule. Satan knew the playground rule. He knew how far kids could play and where they couldn't go beyond. And he had caused them to come across the line. And he ran back to the teacher to say, teacher, teacher, little Johnny cross the line. And all of a sudden you see in that great courtroom in the Garden of Eden as God, the judge of all the ages, come walking in the cool of the day. And he called the defendant there, Adam and Eve, to stand before him. And he called the prosecuting attorney, Satan, to the scene of the crime. And he began to ask questions and investigate. And I can see Satan as he's rubbing his hands together in glee saying, I got him this time, I got him this time. The crown jewel of God's creation. Those who have taken my place in praise and worship and fellowship. I've now got them trapped. And there's no recourse. They're going to die today. And Satan was so tickled with himself and so happy with his plan that he couldn't wait to hear God say, All right, today's the day that you die. And there he accused them and he was tattling on them and he was telling God, God, you remember what you said. You said if they ate it, they would die. Now come on with the sword and kill them. Come on with the sword and kill them today. I'm ready to see some blood flow. You kicked me out of heaven. Now I want to see you do away with this man and this woman. Good. 
You said they were going to die. Now, oh, I've heard them say, Teacher, you said you'd whip them if they did that. And they did it. Now we want to see them get their due. Oh, the devil's the original, most devious. He's the worst tattletale the world has ever known. And God was there. It's okay. I'm going to use it. Thank you. And God was there. And Adam and Eve were there. And the devil was there. And I can see Adam and Eve as they were cowering there in shame and fear. Wondering just how this is going to play out. They've been hiding from God. And God came down and he said, now this is where we normally meet. I'm in the prayer room, Adam. And this is where we usually meet before service. But I don't find you, Adam. I'm at Bible study and normally you're here, Adam. But where are you, Adam? Normally, Eve, you're always here at ladies' devotions and come early for youth functions. But where are you, Eve? And they're trembling and afraid and wondering what God is going to do to them to punish them. And the devil's reminding God, God, you said they would die. You said they would die. Now let's see judgment be poured out upon them. And it's like, as it were, God disappeared for a few moments. uh, And he come back dragging something in his hand. uh, And they looked uh, as blood was dripping off of that animal skin. uh, And God walked over to Adam and Eve. uh, And he said, let me give you a little secret. Don't ever hide from me. Come hide in me. Don't ever hide from me. Come hide in me. God said to Adam, Adam, you know that was wrong, but don't ever run away from me in fear. Come running back to me and say, God, I When you make a mistake, the first thing the devil tells you, you messed up this time. And no use in you even going back to church. And God saying, don't run away from church. Run back to church. Don't run away from the altar. Run back to the altar. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. Some people would say, well, Brother Ham, you're you're giving young people a license to sin. Oh, no, I'm not. The Bible says about grace, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Uh, Absolutely not. Uh, Amen. But when I hear about the goodness of God uh, and the grace of God, uh, it doesn't make me want to run out in the world and sin some more. It makes me want to get closer to Him uh, and love Him better and serve Him better. Praise the Lord. So I want to tell you, young person, tonight, when you make a mistake and the accuser comes, rule number one, don't run from God. Run to God. Don't hide from God, but come back and hide in God. The Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. You know where you're going to hide? You're going to hide beneath the blood of Jesus Christ. 
When did you get that blood applied to your life? When you got baptized in His name. That's when all of your sins were washed away and remitted away from your life. It was more than just being forgiven. It was a remission and a wiping away of your sins. And you come back and you say, cover me again with your blood. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Don't run from God. Run to God. Praise the Lord. Don't hide from God. Hide in God. You say, God, cover me again. Let your righteousness cover me one more time. Praise the Lord. Years ago, when I was a very young child, I had a problem telling the truth. I told lies if you're trying to figure that out. And uh, if any of you have ever known my mother, you know her to be a very stern disciplinarian. My mother grew up in the Mississippi Delta chopping cotton and picking cotton. and She was a farm girl and very strong. And she had this unique way of punishing us by taking one strong hand and grabbing our wrist and taking another strong hand and whipping us with a switch. And she talked kind of slow, and she whipped kind of fast, and she always whipped till she got through talking, which made for some, some dancing and shouting and crying. Mama, that's enough, that's enough, that's enough. I'll tell you when it's enough. Didn't I tell you not to cross that road? And my parents recognized that I was telling lies. I don't know why I told them. I don't even remember one I told. But I do remember my mother looking at me and saying, Son, the next time you tell a lie, no matter where we are, I'm going to pull your britches down and whip you. You'll never see me sag. (laughs) Anyway, one of my siblings and I were playing in the yard. I don't know what I said, but I remember her getting that look on her face. Like I'm fixing to tell on you. And she ran to the house. My, the yard wasn't big enough to hide from mother. She found me in the front yard. And she did exactly what she said she was going to do. Of course, I couldn't run. My pants were around my ankles. (laughs) And she had that strong grip. But I learned a little something from that. Well, I learned a lot. But I learned this. Anytime you find yourself in a mistake, don't sit around and run, hide in the corner and wait on the tattletale to get there first. I learned when I get crossways with Mama, if I can run to the house and say, Mama, I sure love you. Mama, look at these flowers I picked you as I ran to the house. (laughs) Mama, I know you told me not to, and I don't know why I did, but I did. 
And could I get a little mercy today? And you're looking over your shoulder saying, ha, 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 I beat you to mama. I want to tell you a little secret about living for God effectively. When you make a mistake, don't just sit in it. Suck your thumb and say, oh, I'm miserable and stupid and how could I ever have made that mistake? You give the enemy all the time in the world. What you need to do is jump up as soon as you realize it and run back to God and beat the tattletale there and say, I need a little mercy today. I need a little help today. I'm going to tell you what you'll find. You'll find grace to help in time of trouble. You'll find forgiveness. You'll find pardon. You'll find mercy at the cross. Don't the words of that wonderful old song say, when gloom and sadness whisper. I've never heard gloom and sadness whisper. Gloom and sadness are screaming in my ears. You've sinned. No use to pray. But I look away to Jesus and he tells me to say, I see a crimson stream of blood. No matter what the devil's telling you about yourself, you need to talk to God and say, God, I freely admit I've made a mistake. I've stumbled again. But if you'll help me, I'll do my best to never go down that trail again. I'm telling you, you need to run to God when you make a mistake. Don't put it in the hands of the enemy. Take care of it yourself. Come on, let's clap our hands and love the Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. The musicians would join me here at the platform. I want to share just one third and final point with you tonight. Number one, don't hide from God. You've got to hide in God. Don't run from God. Run back to God. Number two, you beat the adversary back. Beat the accuser back. You get there first, all right? And then the third thing I would like to leave with you tonight is this. The Bible said in Romans 8 and 31, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now, many times we quote that scripture in times of struggle, in times of intense battle and reaching out for victory. And we know that there's an adversary out there. And we quote this scripture in great faith by saying, if God be for us, who can be against us? Let's look down a little further in verse 33. Who shall lay anything? To the charge of God's elect. In other words, you're a child of God. Who's going to approach God and say, God, I want to tell you something about that person. Who's going to lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Verse 34 also says, who is he that condemneth? 
And so Paul's asking the question, who is it that feels capable of going to God and saying, I need to tell you something about so-and-so? We know that it's not a human being because we've all sinned. The, the, the stones we brought to the trial, we, we dropped them in the sand and went home. Who, who is he that is condemning? It's the devil. It's the accuser. But the Bible said, it is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. And so, when the accuser comes, and he begins to tell God all that you've done, our great intercessor steps in in his place. And he stands between me and judgment. He stands between me and the devil. He's interceding. He's standing in my place. And he's saying, this this one repented. This one died out to their sins. This one was baptized in my name. This one is hiding behind the cross and the blood that I shed. And then you go back and think, if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. I want to tell every young person here tonight, God is for you. God wants to see you make it. God came to this earth, robed himself in flesh, and went to Calvary. Died on a cross just so he could stand in your stead and say, You're not getting past me to him. I'm the intercessor. I'm ever living to make intercession. The blood that I shed will never, 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 never lose its power. Stand with me tonight. The intercessor gets between us and the accuser. And he said, I beheld you as lightning fall from heaven. What do you mean in here condemning? What do you mean in here casting an accusation? And our intercessor keeps our enemy off of us. I want to tell you, young person, you can live for God. You can overcome the mistake you've made. You just got to come back to the altar and get in touch with God again. You just got to get a renewing in the Holy Ghost and pray through again. Hallelujah. As the singers begin to sing, I want to open the front of this auditorium tonight. Give you a chance to come and talk to the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, young people, come this way. Come on and love the Lord. Tell God I'm going to overcome. I'm going to make it. I'm living this moment. Hallelujah. Come on, thank God for His mercy. Thank God for baptism in your name and the remission of all my sins.
Now you can either let this message be a postscript or you can let it be a life-changing experience tonight. Some of you came into this house with condemnation in your mind. You need to leave here saying, I'm forgiven. The devil has no hold on me. I'm forgiven. Sin has no power over me. Hallelujah. You need to get your hands in the air and say, thank you, God, for your grace and mercy.
to Jesus and not from Jesus. To hide in the Lord and not from Him. Thank you, Brother Ham, for such a wonderful, wonderful Word of God. I'm going to tell you tonight, of all of the things that you could hear, this is one of the most wonderful truths that you could have been taught and preached into your life tonight. Because I'm grateful for the blood of the past, but I'll need blood in my future. And a message like this is a message that not only will transform your life tonight, 
and has transformed your life tonight and helped you tonight. But it's going to help you in your tomorrow, your next year, in the future of your life. The way you're going to be able to stand is with this kind of preaching. The Bible said they overcame the accuser of the brethren by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Amen. I'm glad for the fresh application of the blood of Jesus Christ. Is anybody grateful right now tonight for the fresh washing and cleansing? Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Ham. Amen. How many is grateful for what God has done in your life tonight? Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Again, we want to remind you there is... Uh, uh, a gym rented. The flyers are in the foyer of the directions to the gym. There is a meal for the ministers and their family. Uh, whoever would like to come at our to 